Welcome to episode three of the OTS podcast. This is your host, Christian Gaten. And honestly, for episode three, I was planning on doing a little solo episode. But I was in Minneapolis about a week and a half ago, and I met this guy. This guy, the name? Greg Dillegard. I didn't know much about him at first, but the more I learned, this guy was a four-year starter at Illinois State, professional basketball player overseas, and I was very intrigued, and I knew I had to talk to him. This is Greg Dillegard. Greg, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? From a small town in Missouri, uh, lived in Missouri my whole life. I went to college at Illinois State, played basketball for my AAU team out of St. Louis in high school. Uh, after Illinois State, graduated after playing, being a four-year starter there and went overseas to play basketball. Uh, after I finished there, I've done a lot of coaching, individual training, worked several different jobs, and now I'm about to start a new job. Looks like your life kind of revolved around basketball for quite a bit. What did you say got you into basketball? I actually started as a family thing. My dad played basketball, and he played college ball, and then my older brother played basketball as well. It's just something that runs in the family. What did basketball teach you? Uh, basketball's actually taught me so many things. I mean, it's, it teaches you a great work ethic, teaches you how to get along with people, teaches you how to deal with a lot of adversity. It's just basketball teaches you a lot of stuff in life. I agree. I always grew up playing basketball, too, so I can definitely see what you're talking about. What's your definition of success? I think success is going to have a different definition based on who you ask. For me personally, it's making sure I learn from everything and the only way I can fail is if I fall down and don't try to get back up. So as long as I continue to get better, that's my version of success. A great way to put it. I really like that because I would. that's kind of something I would say too. What would be some advice for your younger self when it comes to basketball? So when it comes to basketball, I would say that the best piece of advice that I could give my younger self is to take care of your body. Just say, if I knew then what I know now, I would have stretched a lot more. I would have made sure I took care of myself a little bit more because as you get older, it's a lot harder to recover from some of the stuff as when you're younger. But on top of that, just constantly keep working so you can never stop getting better. It's really good, really good. I used to play basketball all the time when I was younger too. Like I remember at the park, just I remember my first three-pointer. I was, was chucking, I was chucking up those threes. Definitely airballed a lot my first few times. I remember that first one going in and the satisfaction I felt from that. Oh, it's always a great feeling when you try something for so long and so long and it just seems like it's never going to happen. And then that moment that it does, it's one of the most uplifting moments that you'll ever have. When did you kind of know you were different and you were going to have a different path from everybody else when it came to sports and basketball? Oh, I'd probably say when I was in junior high. It seemed like at that point, People know whether they're going to continue to do it and try to make a career out of it or if they're just going to do it for fun with their friends. And where everybody else started doing it just at school and just with their friends and stuff like that, I was doing it constantly. I was either in practice or in the gym with my dad or with my brother or just by myself working on different stuff. So I knew then I was separating myself from everybody else and it was something that I wanted more than most people. And it's just something that I knew I... I had to make happen. When you were in high school, was it like a bigger high school you were playing really good guys, or would you say it was a smaller school where you were kind of just dominating everybody? Um, back then it was a really small school. I went to a small school. My whole school had 300 people in it. But uh, we still played some good competition. It wasn't the competition that most people would expect, which is why I started with my AAU team. So in school, I was playing against some decent competition, but when I was playing with my AAU team, it was – 
top level competition day in and day out. So that's where I got most of my exposure and that's where I learned most of my stuff from. Did you go to many big camps at all when you were in high school? As far as camps, no. I just went to a lot of bigger tournaments because like I said we played in a new city every weekend from my freshman year until the time I graduated. I was playing in super showcases in Orlando and the national tournaments and stuff like that. So that's where most of my stuff came from. So obviously, I walked into the classroom and I see this huge guy. My first, re like my first reaction was, I wonder if he played basketball. And then I saw your hands holding a pencil, and I was like, Wow! Why are his hands literally the size of my entire femur? Did you have any star ratings when you were in high school at all? I honestly couldn't tell you because when I was back in high school, there wasn't much out because that's when internet just started so there was still some magazines and stuff like that but in my area I was very well known but as far as nationally it wasn't that big but it's just a matter of if they had the stuff now that back then it probably would have been a different situation coming out of high school was Illinois State the biggest school that recruited you or were there other bigger schools recruiting you as well uh, there was actually a lot of bigger schools that recruited me that was just the best fit for me they said I was recruited by Nebraska Princeton, Harvard, all the top schools, but this is more so the fit I wanted. I wanted to go someplace I can come in and make a direct impact and not someplace that I would have to find a role or anything like that. And instead, it just worked out well going to ISU. Did you start as a freshman there? I did. I actually started my very first game of the year, my freshman year, and I was a four-year starter there. What would you say is your biggest skill when it comes to playing basketball? Oh, I would say, well, when I was in college, would have probably been my athleticism and my ability to pass. Being a big man it was something that most big men couldn't do, but I've always developed every aspect of my game. It's something my dad taught me. But I would say as of now, I would say it's probably my ball handling and shooting because most people see me and they're like, oh, he's a big dude. He can't do this stuff, which I take full advantage of. So starting at the age of five, working on ball handling, my ball handling's pretty good now. And then after having knee surgery and not being able to jump as much, I had to work on my shot, which has gotten a lot better now as well, too. So it's just being able to do all aspects of the game and being able to take advantage of people underestimating me always comes in handy. What's your favorite part about the game of basketball? Oh, probably the competition. I said I'm a very competitive person, and normally I'm very cool, calm, and collected. But then when people start talking trash, it brings out more fire in me, and that's just something I love about the game. That's the way it is. I love when people talk, especially when you, I mean, you could be going for 40 on their head and they're for some reason still going to talk. I like recently, I just played men's league nowadays. I didn't continue playing basketball after high school. So I just played men's league and like, I'll be having 30, 40 points. And for some reason, these older guys just keep chirping the entire time. Do you play in any men's leagues at all nowadays? Uh, I actually do. I still play in a few different leagues and every year we play in the show me state games down in Columbia, Missouri. And it's just, for me, I usually take it a little less serious, and my wife gets a big kick out of it because I really don't have a lot of competition in the area. So I just do it for fun and do stuff with my friends, but then somebody always starts talking trash, which in turn makes me play harder, and she gets a huge kick out of it because you can see that I just turn the game <laughs> around so much more because I go from playing around to playing serious and everything just completely changes so yeah anytime I'm playing now I just wait for somebody to start talking and yeah that's when everything changes stats wise what was the best year you had in college oh I'd probably say my senior year stats wise because I was almost every year I averaged close to if not a double double to say off of rebounds and points and then 
I got I set the record for blocks, but I never managed to get to that triple double area. So it was a little shy of that. But I would definitely say after my first three years, constantly learning and getting bigger and getting better, my senior year was probably my best year. Were you getting any NBA looks coming out of college? I actually had a chance to go work out with the Pacers, but I had an extra semester of school to finish, and that was something my parents always instilled in me that your scholarship, your degree can't be taken away from you. So I actually decided to turn that down to finish up my schooling, and then actually the day after I graduated, was the uh, I went to Sweden. So, What was the culture shock for you when you got to Sweden to play basketball? Oh, it was just... Stepping, that was the first time I'd ever been out of the country. So I stepped off the plane and looked around, and it was just completely different. You meet people who are talking a whole different language, but of course they speak English too. But just seeing the different type of schooling, the different type of medical situations, and it's just so much different than what we have here. And a lot of it's better than what we have here. As you say, you go there. And by fifth grade, everybody's speaking two to three languages. And then like it was very rare that I met somebody that didn't speak four languages. And I bring it back here, and it's like nothing, nothing like that is happening at all. It's rare that you meet somebody from here that can speak English well enough. So it's just seeing stuff like that and wondering why we don't do it. It's just mind-blowing. I know a little something about Sweden, but I'll tell you that story later because I don't really want to tell it on this. <laughs> Where did you go after Sweden? Because I know you mentioned uh, you mentioned the other day that you played for multiple different countries and different times. It was what was that like? Uh, so right actually after I finished in Sweden, the next year I went down to Uruguay and I actually played half a season down there, and I ended up going back to Sweden. And then the next year I went back to Uruguay, and then I jumped around in Argentina and went to Venezuela and Australia and a bunch of different places. But the the joy that came out of that was mostly from seeing different cultures, meeting different people, and just making friends all over the world. And so it's something that most people don't ever get to do. And if you do, you don't get to enjoy it as much as I got to. Because it wasn't more so, I wasn't constantly doing stuff. I still got to do the sightseeing. I still got to go out and experience the culture and meet all kinds of people. And it's just something that sticks with you forever. So if I hadn't got this opportunity, I don't know what I would have done with my life. But I can tell you, it probably wouldn't have been as memorable or as life-altering as what I got to do. I remember I was in class, and I just I heard you talking about how you were all over the all over the globe because you played in many different spots. And I was like, I need to know more about this guy. I have to ask so many questions. What was your favorite country you ever played in? As far as basketball-wise, I would say Uruguay, just because of the way the fans react to the game. They love it so much. It's taken so serious. And you're playing in an atmosphere where there's gyms full of people constantly yelling and cheering for you. And that atmosphere is just great. But as far as the country I was in, I would have to say Australia and New Zealand. Those countries are so beautiful. Everybody there is extremely friendly, and it's just amazing to be over there. Do you still have many friends from there? Oh, I have friends from all the places I've played with. I've kept in touch with a lot of my teammates. Uh, I still keep in touch with my coaches from over there. And so it's just people that I want to maintain that contact with so if I have the opportunity I can go back or I can get other people to experience that as well so I keep those contacts because you never know what that can lead to can you give me a list of all the countries you played in oh that could be hard let's see starting in Sweden Uruguay Argentina Brazil Lithuania 
Uh, been to Denmark, Norway, uh, um, Australia, New Zealand, Mexico. Oh, man. I know I'm missing some. Uh, been to Peru. Um, did I say Venezuela already? You did not. Uh, that's another one. Um, let's see. Germany. And that's all I can think of right now. <laughs> I know it's around 13 or 14 different ones. What's your craziest life experience when it comes to basketball? Oh, well, there's several different ones, just different types of crazy. I know, uh, as like we were talking the other day, I remember the first time I had a game in Uruguay. And I was lived two blocks away from the gym. And I was walking to the game. And as I turned the corner to go into the gym, I'm stopped by a cop and with an assault rifle and a cop with a shotgun. And they're all in full right gear, helmets, vests, everything. I'm like, what is going on? And that was the day I found out that you cannot play a game in Uruguay unless the cops are there in their riot gear. And it's just mind-blowing to think that things can get that out of control, but yet you're still safe because it's usually fans fighting with fans or fans after the referees, but it's very rare that they're ever fighting with the players. So the players are safe. This is more so just for the refs and the other fans. But to see that they have to go through that level of protection just to play a game is mind-blowing. I really would not expect that just because you – I would expect that to be more of like a soccer country. So I remember when you were telling me that story when we were eating the other day, I was like, wow. I like – I would love to play somewhere else. I think it would be super fun. What would you say is your craziest life story, not including basketball? Oh, let's see. Just, hmm. Well, this is, it was because of basketball, but it was outside. I wasn't playing or anything like that. We were actually traveling to a tournament. And it was uh, my AAU team. We were flying down to Orlando for a tournament. And as we were on the plane, the plane lost all power. So the plane actually dropped 500 feet, and there's everybody screaming, people are crying, the stewardess are all falling down, there's drinks flying all through the airplane. And like I was asleep when it happened, and I, it woke me up. And I remember looking at everybody, and everybody screaming, the plane's going down, and at that moment, you just sit there and you think, well, this is the end, because it's a plane going down. There's nothing you can do. You can't get out. You can't run away. You can't do anything like that. And the plane ended up getting its power back, Pilot came back over the intercom. We climbed back up to our, desi our designated altitude, and we finished the flight. But I remember sitting on that plane thinking, yeah, this is the end of my life. It was just a crazy moment. I've never had a type of experience, but I know I would be freaking out, and I would not expect to live past that. What's the hardest lesson you've had to learn outside of basketball? Oh, outside of basketball, I would say the hardest lesson that I would have to learn is... Time management. Time management is a lesson that everybody needs to learn. It's it's hard to juggle a lot of different things, whether it's school, homework, family life, everything else like that. But I would say that's one of the hardest things to maintain as well as being who you want to be and not who you think others want you to be. Maintaining your integrity to be you and not let others influence you and determine what you're gonna be or what kind of person you're gonna be or what you're gonna do is another one that's probably the hardest thing to do. It's just maintaining and staying true to yourself. That was something me and my last guest, Newt Severson, talked about because it was, 
It was a quote in the Bible, and it was, I am who I am. And it was just, I think people try to switch too much of who they are for other people. And, like, you're never going to find true happiness if you're not doing something for yourself. What brings you joy in life nowadays? The biggest thing that brings me joy is just being around my family. I'm a huge family person, and after being recently married, my family means the world to me. I said I don't know what I would do without them, and it's just something I hope I never have to experience. We're a really close family. We do stuff together all the time, so that is my biggest joy. When did you meet your wife? Uh, we've actually known each other since I was in kindergarten. We met my first day at the bus stop, and we went through school together, and then at, she was three years older, so she graduated and left before I did. And then we ended up reconnecting 20, 25 years later, and we were both in different situations. We talked, and then like a few years later like that, we started dating, and after dating, for, after talking and dating for about six, seven years, we ended up getting married. When did you know she was going to be the one? I knew you were going to ask that question. Um, I can't say that there was a certain moment that I remember this is it, but I do remember we had talked about marriage and stuff like that, and there was different things going on. I remember looking at her one time after being together and realizing this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. I feel like it's a certain moment that you'll just be sitting there thinking to yourself, and it'll just click just like that. I'm happy that you found true happiness, and I really enjoy the fact that you talk about your family the way you do, because I feel like a lot of people don't have that and don't know how to achieve that, so I'm really happy that you found that. You talked about advice you gave your younger self, which it didn't have to do with basketball last time. What would that be? Oh, that doesn't have to do with basketball? It's just keep, just keep trying. You can't never settle. Settling is the downfall of success. Once you settle, you'll never know exactly what you can achieve. And like I said, as long as you at least try, you can always learn something and keep moving forward. So as long as you never settle, that's going to be what makes you happy. What's something your parents instilled in you when you were young that you carry to this day? Well, that my dad used to always teach us that there's no such thing as failure unless you refuse to get back up. And that is something that I've instilled in my son, I've instilled in my daughters, I've instilled in all my kids. And it's, that's something that will always stick with me. There's no such thing as failure unless you refuse to get back up. Everything else is just a learning experience. It's a great way to put it. What would you say your relationship with God is like? God is one of the things that's very important to me. As you say, growing up, I was in church with my mom and my dad. And to this day, God is something that is very important to me and my family. They're saying my brother and I have started a basketball academy just to teach kids about basketball and God. We tie our religion into everything. And that is something that anybody who does know me knows that I am very, very religious. And I always always will support God and stand behind that. That was actually one of my next questions. What is it that you do nowadays for your community, knowing you're a big basketball star overseas? What do you do now with basketball and your community? Uh, well, like I said, my brother and I started our own basketball academy, so we do a lot of different basketball camps. I do a lot of personal training. Um, through our academy, we do a lot of different back-to-school events and some family fun stuff and all that stuff just to try to give back. And I guess it's a few more things I like to get started. We've had a few different basketball teams as far as AAU and stuff like that, but uh, COVID kind of shut that down, but now we're looking to get back into that. But is there any time we get a chance to donate or provide opportunities for kids, that is something that we always love to do. Do you think you'll ever get into coaching maybe high school or middle school maybe? I've thought about it, 
but I don't know if I will simply for the fact that it ties me down to one certain spot a lot and it'll tie me down to a certain group of kids whereas I would love to be able to do our camps and coach all the kids in the area that way because I've been in areas where we've been allowed to have our basketball camps but they wouldn't let us do it unless it was only involving their school's kids. And that's something I can't stand for. It's nothing that we do that is limited to certain kids. Every kid is included in what we do. And I've always told kids, we'll hold a camp whether there's one kid or whether there's 100 kids. As long as there's any kid that's willing to learn, I don't care how many it is. If you could put anything on a billboard for a million people to see, what would that be? Always rely on God. That's something that will get you through anything. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how little money you have. The one thing that you can always count on and depend on is God. I agree with you there. I think the biggest problem that we are going through in the world right now is that the world's just losing Christian values, and that's why a lot of just weird things are happening. I completely agree with that. We've taken God out of almost everything, and that's why we're at the spot we are today. And there's a lot of stuff that correlates with the Bible that's happening now with him coming back. And as much as I would love to say that I'm looking forward to seeing my son grow up and see what his life turns into, at the same time, it it scares me to see the world that he's growing up in. And it's just a completely different world than what I'm used to and what I would love to see. I know that it's a possibility that we can get back to where we need to be, but it's just a matter of whether we're going to include God or not. It will definitely take a lot. I think it comes down to the people in power and in charge, too. I think they kind of demonize God just like a majority of people just because of all the movements that are going on in the world. I completely agree with that. I just don't know how somebody can demonize the reason that we're here. That just doesn't make sense to me, and it never will. But... Like I said, people have their own beliefs, and they're going to do what they want to do. And all we can do is have faith in God that things will turn around. So this is something I wanted to do. I pulled up my basketball highlights from high school. I want to, I want to get your reaction, and you got to be completely honest. If you think I'm garbage, you got to tell me. Oh, definitely. We can do this. I like it. We can definitely do this. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Oh, okay. Off the one step. Okay. Okay. Shooter and can drive to the basket. <laughs> I got the reverse finish. Oh, nice, nice. With the step back, too. Okay, okay. So are you no more of a shooter, or? No. <laughs> you got a nice little game on you, though. Nice pass. You should have said yes to that guy. <laughs> Thought about it, but no. Oh, yeah, you definitely should have kept playing. Definitely should have kept playing. Oh, nice block there. See, I like the fact that you're able to use your right and your left hand. That's a lost art nowadays. So I got to ask, if you were making a player profile on me, what are you saying? Oh, is this as far as like a scouting report against you or? Um, let's do a scouting report against me and if you would pick me on your team. Oh, I would definitely pick you on my team. Shoot, we can go play together right now as far as I'm concerned. But as far as a scouting report against you, it would be half like – Normally, I'd say make somebody use their left hand, but obviously you can do that, so I'm not going to go with that. But can't let you get open to shoot because you're going to knock it down, and you're able to attack the basket. So if I have to say anything, I would say force you to drive and get help. It's the only thing we can do. So we can't leave you open to let you shoot. We can't let you go one-on-one -on -one because you can get past people, so it'd have to be a force you to drive and have help. I really That really means a lot knowing your basketball background. And honestly... 
if there was any gyms open right now, I'd be so down to go play. And since you're in Missouri, you're in, you live in Missouri, so that's not too far from me. I think we could definitely set something up sometime. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely get something set up and we'll get together in place for sure. Do you have any questions for me at all? Uh, what got you started in doing the podcast and all that stuff? Um, I talked about this in my last one, but it was just like the fact that I like talking to people and I just, I meet people all the time and I like having conversations. For example, I literally met you Monday and now I like can tell, I could, I know your entire life story at this point. Like I remember we sat down at Hooters the other night. That was actually my first time eating there too. And we just, I just asked so many questions and you were very willing to answer. And I think, uh, Making connections with people and having a good network is very key in life. Okay, and what is the one main goal you want to get out of your podcast? Just meet more people and make some money off of it at one point. But yeah, I just want to meet more people and just keep making connections. Like, honestly, I just met you Monday and I would consider you a good friend already. I feel the same way and I will definitely get you in contact with some other people so we can keep this going. I really appreciate that. Any other questions at all? Nope, not right now, but I'm sure I'll come up with some eventually, and we're going to keep in touch, so I'll be able to ask them. Thank you for being on, Greg. I really appreciate it. Thank you for giving me half an hour of your time. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Dillegard. I want to thank Greg for taking time out of his day to meet with me and sit with me for half an hour. Really appreciated that. We are currently in touch and talking about this basketball camp he'll be having here in the next few months. He'd like me to come, so I really do plan on going to that should be a fun little experience and who knows maybe get some special guests on i'm not going to drop a name but yes and then maybe record a part two with him i think it'd be really cool to talk to him and see how his new career is going again i want to thank you guys for listening and just leave a like and subscribe thank you